it's the 504th anniversary, 504 years since Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the wall and the Protestant, the door of the church, and the Protestant Reformation began, where we, we started saying, wait a minute, that's error, and we're going to go to the Bible alone, and we're going to do what we do according to the Bible, not according to tradition. So this is the anniversary day, this is All Saints Day as well, but of, of that great, great, great event. The reason you're sitting in this place right now is uh, not the reason, but a big part of the reason is because of what Martin Luther did. 95 reasons the church he served was wrong, and he nailed it to the door. It was sort of like Twitter back then, but you just wrote it out and nailed it to the people would go by the church, and they'd see the announcements for the community on the wall, on the door. And, uh, and so that's what he did. You, you can be opening your Bibles, Genesis 27. We're still in Genesis, back to basics. If this is, if you're our guest, or first time you've tuned in, you, you may not know we're in the middle of a Genesis series. Um, you can go to our uh, our website, CBC Stanton, and for those of you who may be listening, we don't spell that S-T-A-N, we spell that S-T-A-U-N-T-O-N, okay? So Stanton is how we say it, though. Uh, so if you look up CBC Stanton or CBC Baptist Stanton, uh, sorry, CBC Stanton, you'll find it. And on there are all the sermons from Genesis. So uh, if you want to back up and listen to some, uh, feel free. But today, uh, we're calling this sermon, Goat for Supper, all right? Uh, because of uh, an event. In this chapter, there's only one person who gets anything right. And let me just say, none of those were human beings, okay? Uh, the only person who got anything right in chapter 27 is God. So we're going to look at that a little bit today. And, and uh, actually, we're going to be able to apply it into our lives uh, in, in a way that you might not expect. But um, we, can, we, we gather a lot from this, and we can, we can certainly apply it today. So would you join me in prayer uh, before we begin? Uh, Lord God, indeed, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for the beauty of it. We thank you for... Uh, the, the ability you gave us yesterday, the strength, the, the, the forethought, the planning, the, and the execution of, of that plan to, to try to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that we are able to do that and that, that uh, you would be honored and glorified. We know that you will use any offering we give you and take it and use it for your glory and your gain in the kingdom. And so, Lord, we want to give you our best, but we pray that um, since we know we're imperfect, that you will take and use this according to your will. Lord, today as we open and look at the scripture, we think of uh, today of Martin Luther who finally was uh, trained enough to open a Bible and see what it said and said, wait a minute, this, the word of God does not coincide with what the church is doing. And he began a revolution just by asking questions about what we were doing as a, as a, church, as a church or the church in that day. So, Lord, we thank you for his bold stand that, that causes us to look toward the Scripture instead of toward tradition. And that, Lord, uh, today we'll have our own personal reformation where we will seek your will and your power in our life and not, in, uh, and not just according to what we uh, may have learned that might not be even right, but it's been our tradition. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask that your Spirit would open our eyes to behold wonderful things out of your Word. Amen. Well, I am glad uh, you're here today uh, with us. And uh, I, I just want to read uh, the first four verses of chapter 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I'm old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare, prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die." 
There's a very big key phrase in there that we're, we're going to look at. Here, this is something I want you to take home with you today. And I, as I bring this out, children need their parents' blessing. This is what I want you to catch. This is the story of, of Jacob uh, uh, stealing a blessing or the parental blessing from his older brother Esau. And uh, it, it, it's kind of funny to me that in that day, you know, Esau is like a minute older, but he's still the oldest. It, you know, it's, they're twins. They should get like the same in my thinking, but that's not how it happened. But in that, that passage, there was a phrase there that will tell you the problem in this whole chapter. And that is uh, Isaac telling Esau, I want to bless you before I die when he knew that Jacob had purchased that birthright from his brother. And God had said, to his wife while she was still expecting Jacob I've chosen he will be the ruler over Esau yet Isaac is setting that aside to go against the will of God in this passage I, I would say in, in reference to what I had up there that uh, children need their parents blessing that, that our culture today does not push us into that direction it, you've heard stories and you understand that, that cultures all through time and, and history had certain ceremonies or days or, or events that would, would tell a young person that they were an adult. And really specifically, the fathers did that. And, uh, and mainly, usually, it would be for the son, but also for the, for the girls. There are still echoes of that even in uh, culture today, in the Jewish culture. They still have the bar mitzvah, the bat mitzvah for the girls. And and that's when you reach a certain age. Well, that used to be a ceremony of now you're a man. We know that the, the native peoples that were here when, when the Europeans sailed across, and, and they may not even be the first people here, but the ones that were here when we sailed across, uh, in certain tribes, a, a boy would reach a certain age, and his father would start putting him through tests. Now, it was for the whole tribe. They, they said what needed to be done, but uh, some of the things they would may, maybe have to spend all night alone in the woods or they would have to go get in this freezing cold stream and just submerge themselves for, for a long, long time until the father said, come out. And they would do all these different things. What the kid didn't, usually didn't know was the dad was watching from a distance because he wanted to make sure that the boy didn't die from it. But after that, he would be declared a man. If you're a father in here and you have grown children, do you remember a time where you ever told your son uh, specifically, or your daughters for that matter, I'm so proud of you, I'm proud of the man or the woman you have become, and that you are now a man or a woman. I, of all people, the, I heard the great theologian Burt Reynolds <laughs> say on a television show, in the South, a man's not a man until his daddy tells him he's a man. That was an echo of these traditions. And children need to know that, that what we are doing as we consciously raise them as we do our best to impart to them the knowledge and the wisdom that God has given us and the knowledge and wisdom of God and the spiritual life from that they need to know that we're doing that on purpose that's not an accident that 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 we're moving toward an end that we want them to become a self-sufficient contributing man or woman I the favorite way I ever heard it, and I say it all the time, is we're not raising children. We're raising adults. They are children. They get into, you don't have to train them to be a child. They know how to do that. You've got to teach them how to become an adult at a certain age. And so you start young. We don't, we don't start six-year-olds in the 12th grade. We don't start six-year-olds in college. We start them in kindergarten or 
first grade and we teach them this is an alphabet. This makes a word. This is a number. This represents this. And we start where they are and train them. Well, why do we think in the spiritual life, well, as long as they ask Jesus in the heart, they're going to be all right. We have to teach them the disciplines of the faith. We have to teach them what the Bible is teaching us and what it says. It's more than just an event where we pray some prayer and we think, we, we almost look at that prayer as magical. Like, if I can just convince you to pray this prayer, you're going to be all right. No, you need to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to become his disciple. And so, us, we as parents, we have to first do that ourselves in order to bless our child. And then we have to follow God's will. And what we see in this passage is Isaac gets it wrong. Jacob gets it wrong. Esau gets it wrong. Rebecca gets it wrong. Only person who gets it right is God. And, and it's, it's really, if you put it back in the context, it is a very odd chapter. It's one of those chapters that we like to say proves that the Bible is the Word of God. Because nobody looks good in this chapter except God. Everybody is going to contrary to the will of God. God had already told them it's going to be Jacob. Jacob steals in a sense. He doesn't steal it, but he buys the birthright from Esau. He takes advantage of him. We see them acting in deceptive ways. Later, Jacob's going to have an occasion with God, and his name is going to be changed to Israel. We see in these heroes' lives, we see their faults, but we also see they have an encounter with God that radically changes their life and their outlook and how they go about their business. And that's going to be true of Jacob. It was true of Isaac. It was true of Abraham. So, First of all, I want you to see in the first point that there was a lack of agreement. Now, I've already said that, but there were broken relationships because they didn't agree with God's will. They didn't do what God told them was going to happen. And so, first of all, Isaac didn't agree with God. And I've been saying that over and over. Let me just give you the reference. It's Genesis 25 and 20, verse 23. It's just one page back. It might be on the page you're on even. And it says there, the Lord says to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. God told her that Jacob would be the one. The second child born would be the one that would be the heir and the, the, the one that's in the line of the promise from Abraham, from Isaac. And, and, and now is going to be in these boys God tells Isaac that, or tells Rebecca in, in chapter 25. And now we see Isaac is getting older. And uh, this is kind of funny. I used to have an aunt. And maybe you have this same aunt. Every year, I may not be here next Christmas. <laughs> Y'all know, yeah, yeah, obviously, you got the same aunt I do. And she's not here this Christmas. But that was a long time ago. But you know how long Jacob lived after this? 20 to 30 years. Do you know how old these boys are? See, I, I mean, you've seen pictures. See the little boy down there making the meal? These guys are about 60. Jacob doesn't get married until he's, I think, 77 or 70. I think it's 77. So he's about 70 when he meets the wife he wants, which is Rachel, but Leah was the one God had picked for him. And so he married both of them because he could back then, but he was 70 when he met him. He left from this and went to that place. So he's somewhere between 60 and 70, and his brother is his twin. These are not little kids. <laughs> These are men ought to know better doing this. It's, it's odd to our culture, but this culture 
their culture. We have, to un- we have to understand the Bible within the culture that God gave it to us. And it's not that the culture dictates what they said. It's that God gave them that culture so we would understand some of the deeper meanings and things that are going on. So, so Isaac's getting older and he says, my eyes are dim, can't see good, might not be here next Christmas. Go get me some food and I'm going to go ahead and give you this blessing. And then he lives a long time. Uh, that can happen. There was a story some years back. There was a, a in France, there was some kind of restriction and all that on how you could rent an apartment, get it. And so it was very expensive. And there was a woman, she was over 100, and a man made an agreement with her, and he would pay her rent until she died so he could get the apartment. And she lived to like 130. <laughs> so uh, it, it just didn't work out for him. He thought it was a sure deal. It wasn't. And you know what? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow, right? So don't forget that. So, so Isaac said, I'm old, do this. And so he calls Esau in and asks him to go hunt and bring some food and prepare it. But we also see that Rebekah didn't agree with God because look in verse, down in verse 5, Rebekah was listening. She's eavesdropping on what her husband's saying, just like her mother-in-law had done at the Oaks of Mamre when God told Abraham Sarah's going to have a baby, and she laughed. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I noticed that, um, his son, her son. Did you catch that in verse 5? I've heard parents say it. No, that one's your child when they do that, right? You catch what the Bible has given us, the insight into their attitude. That's your boy. This is my boy. It's a, it's a weird thing. But the Bible told us that, that, that when they were born, that Jacob liked Esau better because he was an outdoor guy and he was a strong man. He had all this ability. And Jacob was more quiet. He's more inside. He's more a mama's boy uh, is how we would say it today. So Rebecca was listening. So she said to her son, Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, I think she added something there, but, um, and now therefore, my son, obey my voice, I command. So she tells him, go to the flock, get out two good young goats. That's why I call this goat for supper. Get you two young goats and uh, prepare some delicious food and I will prepare the food for your father such as he loves and you should bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. And Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man. I'm a smooth man. But perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself, not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my, uh, on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Now, I want you to catch something here. The reason I brought up their age is this. If you think these kids are little and mom says, No, 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 do what I tell you. You go like, Well, the kid, he doesn't know any better. Isaac goes, well, it's a good idea, but you know what? I'm not hairy like him. You see what's happening? Jacob is going along with the deception because that's what his name means, right? Until God gets a hold of him and changes him. He's a deceiver. It's his default position. And so maybe we can say he got it from his mom because she came up with the original plan. I don't know. But, but she, she tells him and he says, good idea, but... She said, don't worry about leaving to me. And what they do later on is when he goes and gets the goats and kills them, gets the skin off, and then she ties it to his arm. So when, I mean, Esau had to be real hairy if a goat hide will fool your dad into thinking it's you. I mean, that's a hairy dude. That's all I got to say. 
And, and so th that's what they do. So Rebecca was not trusting God. So there's this lack of agreement with what is going on. And all these relationships are getting broken because Rebecca's rebelling against Isaac, even though Isaac's doing the wrong thing, she's not coming from a pure motive. She's coming from, this is my boy, and I don't want the hit your boy to get the blessing. I want my boy to get it. She's cooperating in that. And, and so all of this leads to a lack of trust. Listen, you cannot lie and build trust at the same time. Broken relationships lead to a lack of trust. When, when a relationship gets broken, it's very hard to trust that other person. You have to work back into trust can be built, but it's very easy to be lost. It takes a long time to build trust. It doesn't take very long to, to lose it. And so we see here that Isaac did not trust God. Because if you look in chapter 26 and verse 34 and 35, and we didn't say much about it last week, but Esau was 40 when he got married. He took Judith, the daughter of, of Barry the Hittite, to be his wife, and Bezamath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Esau got married same age as dad when he got married, but he went and married Hittite women. The funny thing is, their names are Hebrew. They're, these two names are Hebrew names, but they were Hittites, and they weren't supposed to marry Hittites. And if you remember, God is directing, at least in these beginning three men, who they marry to give them the children that God wants them to have to create the nation of Israel or the people of Israel or the Jewish people. And so Esau thumbs his nose at God's will and he runs off and marries a woman or women that disqualify him from getting that birthright. That's what I want you to catch there. Two things, really, both are messing up. Jacob could just say, well, dad, you see who Esau married. And what was it God told you? Not supposed to marry those women. We're supposed to go back home and find a good looking cousin. Which is, again, what Jacob does. Just like, just like his dad did. And so Isaac's not trusting God. He's, because he knows his son has been disqualified from being the heir. Rebecca does not trust God because she's going to do it by trickery. She doesn't walk into her husband and say, honey... Can I talk to you a second? You know what God told me. Why are you doing it this way? You're, you're breaking what you know to be the will of God. She didn't do that. So she didn't trust God. She thinks, well, I got to help God out. Have you ever tried to help God out? It's always, it's always weird. I, I used to hear this real silly example. It's, it's, it's so, so silly. I'm embarrassed to share it. But it does talk about it. And the, the illustration was that this guy is a pilot and he's flying his plane. And all of a sudden there's a mountain in front of him and he's got to climb over it. And he doesn't, he doesn't think he can. And, and, and God, he had given God control of the plane. But he sees the mountain. He says, God, you see that mountain? God says, I see it. And, you see the mountain? I see it. And it's just getting closer and closer. And he's scared. He's worried. And suddenly he just takes the controls back from God. And he flies the plane around the mountain. And God says, why'd you do that? He said, because you were going to crash into the mountain. He said, well, look behind us. The mountain was gone. God will move the mountain if he needs it moved. Now, I'm not saying be foolish. And it, like I said, it's a silly example, but it illustrates what I'm trying to say. No matter the circumstances we see, you trust the God whom you cannot see, who's given us a promise. I have not yet seen heaven, but the Holy Spirit lives with me as a down payment of it. We do get to know that, the power of God. 
Because there are things that have happened in my life that cannot be explained naturally, normally. That God had to do that for that to happen. If you've ever led anybody to Christ, if you've ever taught anybody scripture, if you've ever prayed and seen God at work, that was not you. That was God working in you. Every week I see God at work because I don't like public speaking. If you told me to talk on a topic, not the Bible, I couldn't do it. I don't mind sharing God's word with you because I'm just a vessel at this point. But boy, don't ask me to talk about some subject. It just, I, I'm too nervous to do it. People always say, well, I guess you've been doing this so long, you don't get nervous. No, I taught my butterflies to fly in formation. <laughs> That's all. If I'm not nervous before I get up here, I'm not right. Because this is so huge and so important. This, this Bible is so God's word. And if I didn't tremble before I spoke about it, I mean, he promised me in the New Testament that I will give a, a, a higher accounting for what I say here today and what I do and what I tell you. That is a fearful thing. Why would these people not fear doing what God said? And I, I've already said it. Jacob agrees with the deception. He plays the part, okay? It's a good idea, Mom. Well, let's fix it this way and we'll do it. And so when that, those relationships get broken and there's a lack of trust and then there's a lack of fulfillment in the result. I've, I've never understood cheating in sports or cheating in anything you endeavor to do because what victory is that? There is no victory in that. That is how the world thinks. And, and, but if we are in a, I'm call it a game, but if we're involved in something that has rules and we're not following those rules, we're cheating the rules in order to get a so-called victory, there's no fulfillment in that victory. Because we've cheated the system in a way. You can't cheat God. Y'all know what Abraham Lincoln said. Fool some of the people some of the time. And, or you can fool some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time. And then everybody stopped. But what he said after that is you can't fool God any of the time. God will not be mocked. And so it leaves this lack of fulfillment. You'll never find fulfillment outside of a relationship with God. And in fact, I, I looked that, that verse up, uh, Proverbs 10, 22, um, you, you can write that down if you want. I should have marked it. I'll mark it for next service. But 1022 says this. One page off. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. When you trust God to give you his best for you, Hudson Taylor said God reserves the best for those who leave the choices up to him. And, and when we accept that what God gives me is his best, I find contentment, I find fulfillment, and one day there will be a reward. Because instead of fighting the will of God, I walk in the will of God. You, you got to catch that. So Rebecca got what she wanted, but she didn't get to keep Jacob. After this happened, so we didn't read the whole story and, and it's kind of long so he did he went and got him brought him to his mother mother prepared delicious food this is verse 14 uh, such as his father loved and then Rebecca took the best garments of Esau her older son which were with her in the house now why'd she do that because he might have been going blind but he hadn't lost his ability to smell and Esau is a man of the outdoors and that has a certain scent to it so he put, her, put him in Esau's garments and put him on Jacob and the skins of the young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and bread which she had prepared into his hand. 
And he went into his father, verse 18, and said, My father, he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game that your soul may bless me. He's just lying through his teeth. <laughs> but Isaac said to his son, How is it you found it so quickly, my son? Now, I don't know if Esau was a bad hunter <laughs> or that it just, Isaac knew it took a little longer than that to get there. He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Have you ever heard somebody sin and then blame it on God? The first person that ever did that was Adam and Eve. They both blamed somebody else. And people do that, you know. It, you always hear these crazy people killing a bunch of folks. Well, uh, God told me to do it. No, no, he didn't. Uh, that was wrong. That was demonic. It was, it's not just because they're unhinged, just because they're demonic. And he blames God. Oh, because God. God, God blessed me. Well, goes on, he says, well, Isaac says, Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac. His father felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he didn't recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And then he said, bring it near me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near him and he ate and brought him wine and he drank. And verse 26, we get to the, the blessing. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And here's where I got that. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments. He didn't want to kiss him, he wanted to smell him. And he knew, then he was fooled. He said, well, the voice isn't right, but everything else is right, so maybe he's got a cold. See the smell of my son. It's the smell of the field. The Lord is blessed. May God, forgive, may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you. Nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. Blessed be everyone who blesses you. This is God's blessing on the nation or the people's of Israel. I, I want to make a distinction between the peoples and the government. The government of Israel today is not God's government. It is it's a government that God's allowed, but but the people of the of the blessing, this is the blessing. And it's given to Jacob, the father of Israel. I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse those who curse you. There's no qualifier on that. It doesn't matter what they're doing, it matters what we're doing. I, 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 how many of y'all were alive in the eighties? How many of you were alive in the 80s could see a movie? That's fewer of you. How many of you saw Chariots of Fire? That's the one I'm looking at. You remember it was a Christian guy and he wouldn't run the qualifying heat for the Olympics for, for Britain on a Sunday. And, uh, and someone slipped him a note in the movie, I don't know if it's true or not, that said, God honors those who honor him and curses those who curse him. That's this verse. God will bless those who bless him. Bless his people. Do you understand that you and I live in the protection of God? That doesn't mean we might not, you know, we're not going to get in a wreck or we're not going to get sick or somebody might not accost us or we might get, you know, every horrible thing could happen to us. But just let me tell you, if that does, that's, that's God's will in our life. People think we're fatalists. We're not fatalists. I mean, I'm not going to go play on the interstate, you know, hoping not to get hit because God's protected me. He gave me enough common sense to not do that. But at the same time, in an emergency situation, God can do anything he wants. Right? I, 
I told somebody a story the other day and at the risk of raising uh, wrong kind of curiosity in you. The story was told to me by a godly man who I totally trust that when he was a young man and a pastor and he was sitting there with a much older pastor and it was a very small, frail type man. And they were talking to this young military guy who was lost in sin and they were trying to bring him to knowledge of Christ. And said so that big young guy cursed and jumped up and was running across the room to attack that preacher. He said the preacher never moved, but it was like he ran straight into a wall. So that guy just stopped and fell over backwards. Said so he looked up at him, he said, wasn't me, and I can guarantee you it wasn't him. He said, if I were you, I'd sit back down. So the guy sat down humbly and quietly. He said, that old guy never moved because he knew God had it. I'm saying walk around foolishly, but, but what I want you to understand is that the promise God gave them belongs to us too. That the Holy Spirit is with us. And so Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was persecuted. Paul went with hunger and was tired. But God protected him till the end of his life when it was time to leave. I mean, they stoned him. You don't stone somebody. Nobody gets up from a stoning. That's a 100% kill rate. They stoned Paul. And when they walked away, he says he popped up and said, let's go back into the city. I mean, even if, he, even if they didn't completely kill him, you don't stand up from being pelted by rocks and go, okay, let's go. But that's how Acts puts it. And he stood up and said, all right, let's go back in the city. Is, how does that happen? That, that had to be a powerful miracle of God for the sake of his will being done. So if you're in the middle of the will of God, you got nothing to fear. Because the best thing that could happen is you die and get to go to heaven. The worst thing that could happen is you got to suffer here. <laughs> but the best thing is it's over. Wow, we're, I'm in. This, we're here. It's great. So why do we fear? I, I was just talking about that with Brother Bobby back there. Uh, we had several Bobbies, Bob, Bobby Way. Uh, I was talking to him before that about not being afraid because God is with us. Well, these guys are afraid that God's not going to get the job done. And as soon as Isaac had finished, verse 30, Blessing Jacob. Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father. Esau's brother came in from his hunting, and he had also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise, eat of his son's game. You may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came. And I've blessed him, yes, and he shall be blessed. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he's taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob the deceiver? For he cheated me these two times. No, he didn't cheat you two times. Little self-pitying guy. You serve, he served his own lusts. He served his hunger. He served his body. He served his appetite. Sure, I'll save my birthright for a bowl of soup. Lentil soup. <laughs> Some dry beans and water. Heat it up. That's worth a birthright right there, isn't it? But he did cheat him this time. But he didn't cheat him because God had said that's what was supposed to happen. Jacob didn't have to be a cheater. God would have done it because that was how it was going to happen, right? This, this is what I'm saying. You don't have to do wrong to do right. It's never right to do wrong to do right. It's always right to do right. It's always wrong to do wrong. <laughs> Correct? <laughs> 
Exactly. So if you've got think you've got to do wrong to achieve right, you're wrong. And, and I mean, there's, there's a young man that has spoken out, and he it was in the military, and now he's going to be court-martialed. And everybody's like, oh, no, why? He knew that was what happened. He intentionally broke his, uh, the laws because he felt like it needed to be said, so he said it, knowing the cost of what he was doing. But you better understand that. It's not right to do it. It's always wrong to do wrong. And so Esau had done wrong, and, and Jacob said, and he took away my birthright, and now he's taking away my blessing. And he said, if you not reserved a blessing for me, Isaac said, had said to Esau, behold, I've made him lord over you and all his brothers. I've given him for servants, and with grain and wine I've sustained him. Then what can I do for you? In other words, I got nothing left, man. I gave it all to him. And Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And then Isaac blesses him, but it isn't a blessing, nothing good in it. Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you will live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I'll kill my brother Jacob. Thankfully, that took 20 or 30 years. Esau didn't forget, but he got a little less emotional about it. But the words of Esau, her older son, were, uh, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey. That's hatred, by the way. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you've done to him, then I'll send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will his life be to me? So she's using that excuse to send him back to get a bride back from the family. But I started to tell you, Rebekah got what she wanted. Her son got the blessing, but she lost Jacob. There's never evidence that Jacob ever got to see mom again or her get to see him. Jacob had to run away from his family. And we're going to see in coming stories, he had to humble himself before Esau. He bows down to Esau seven times just to keep him from killing him. And Isaac winds up with a spicy goat, which is a cheap substitute for good, fresh, wild game. And his family has paid a high price. All because they all tried to work out God's will for themselves. We see the importance of this blessing. And God wants you to bless your kids. Especially if you're a man, if you're a father in here. Mother's the same thing. You ought to bless your children as well. But I would say, here's how you would bless your children. Teach them who they are in Christ. Explain to them who they are in Christ. You may not be really aware of who you are in Christ. You, you need to figure that out for yourself as well. You need to get into the word that you're a joint heir with Christ. You are a son of God. You are, a, you are royalty, though nobody else can see it on this earth. That you are a part of the kingdom of God and, and that God is going to allow you to help to inherit this earth and your reward in eternity is great. So don't worry about how things are now. 
the best is yet to come. I mean, God blesses us now. We ought to be grateful for all the good stuff. But the Bible says be grateful for the bad stuff too. The bad stuff's building character in it. The bad stuff's causing us to trust God. The bad stuff's teaching us to reach out to God. And so the Bible tells us in many places, rejoice when you go into trials. Rejoice when bad things are happening. Rejoice in the Lord always about everything. Give thanks. Not just the good stuff. In everything, give thanks. Thank you, God. For this car wreck. Thank you God for this high bill I don't know how I'm going to pay. Thank you God that these awful things are happening. Because I know that you're working out your will and your way for your glory. And you're using my life to do it. You say you are a crazy man. Yes I am. I'm a nut but I am screwed on the right bolt. So. Right. You need to teach your kids those things. You need to teach them who they are in Christ. And that God has given them a love letter. So they can know the love of God by looking into this love letter. Some people say, oh, I can't understand the Bible. That's because it's written to Christians. That's what you get for reading somebody else's mail. You get to know Jesus and you get to read the love letter. And understand what he's trying to tell you. And then te teach them to follow God's leadership to wherever they're going. Not only bless them in Christ in their spiritual life, but bless them in that you need to follow God and where God leads you is where you need to go. Not where I want you to go. Not where mom wants you to go. Where God calls you to serve. You serve there. It doesn't have to be on a mission field or as a preacher or whatever. Every person, every Christian is to be a witness for God. Every Christian is to be a teacher of the word of God. Every Christian is to be a disciple, a follower of God. Some people are gifted in some of those areas more than others. But we all have those responsibilities, and especially in our homes. That's where it starts. If you don't teach your kids, you can't teach somebody else's kids. Secondly, that was all number one. Focus your family on God's promises through reading the Bible and praying together. I, I, I just said that's what you ought to do. Now I'm telling you how to do it. Every day, as a kid... We didn't sit down and have long Bible studies, but we had a little devotional book. We, we had the Southern Baptist published one called Open Windows. We have word for you today. If nothing else, sit down and have your kid read part of it. Read the, say, hey, read this scripture and just anything. Just get together and focus them on the promises by reading. And, and especially in times of trouble, you don't want to tell your kid all the woes you have as an adult. That, that's harmful. You don't have to do that. But, but the, your children ought to see you wrestle with some things before God. And you can even bring them in on that. It, it may be, here, here's a very positive example. Maybe this Thanksgiving or Christmas, you're aware of some family that doesn't have the resources to do what they need to do. And you bring your kids on and say, hey, these, these children, this family, they're not, they don't have stuff like you have Let's pray for them and then let's take them a meal or let's take them some gifts or let's do something for them. And you're teaching them to serve God and to love God and to give to others and focus on God's will and praying together. Let's pray for them that they know Christ and God would bring them to salvation. Build trust in your family by your example and encourage them by you trusting God. You, you just got to be an example. I talked about that a lot last week. I won't say much about that right now. And then I, I want to add, add one other thing. Repent and ask God to heal the wounds from when you gave in to spicy goat and not God's best. All that glitters is not gold, is the old saying. And for us, all that's gold doesn't glitter. Because the Bible says, 1 John 3, Beloved, how great the love the Father's bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God and that's who we are. 
I right now am a son of God. You don't know how good looking I'm going to be in eternity. <laughs> right now, this is all you get. But man, that day is coming. I'm going to look like Christ. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. So let's ask God to fix us and to fix our kids. I'm, I'm going to do something. If you're a dad, I want you to stand up. Because I'm, I'm really encouraging dads. That's going to be a big priority for me in the coming time. To, to love men enough to help them and their families. And, and here's the, the very first thing you need to know. The guy telling you all this is not perfect. <laughs> I, I didn't do everything right. And I never will do everything right. But you got to do your best and you got to trust God and you got to go to God for help. And so I'm just going to pray for you guys right now. Just ask God to help you as he helps me and helps us all. Lord God, we are your family and we're your people. And these men, brave enough to stand up. God, I, I just, I ask your blessing on them. Bless them right now, Father. Fill their heart with the joy of the knowledge of salvation and the knowledge that the Holy Spirit lives with them if they know you. Lord, if there's a man standing who stood up just because I asked, but he doesn't know you, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you convict his heart. Lord, I can't do that. Only you can do that. So we're, we're asking you, Holy Spirit, Lord, direct the Holy Spirit to convict their hearts of their knowledge and need of you. And Lord, that they would turn to you. And Lord, I just pray that you bless these men in order that they may serve their families. Some of them standing, their children are grown, and they already have grandchildren. It's not too late. They can bless their children now. They can bless their grandchildren. They can, they can call their son if he's 60 or 70, somewhere in there like Isaac and, I mean, like Jacob and Esau were. They can still bless them and say, You're a, you have been such a good man, such a good father. They can, they can encourage them and bless them. Or they can say, I see you making the same mistakes I made. And I love you enough. I want to help you not to keep doing that. So, Lord, just work in our hearts, work in our lives, for we are in great need of you. There's nothing good we can do in our own. It all has to be done by you through us. So we submit ourselves before you, and we ask you to do that. Gentlemen, I hope you were praying while I prayed for you. If not, you'd be praying right now. God, help us as families. Help these men's wives to bless them, to love them, to, to encourage them, and, and be a great aid to them as they walk before you. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful women that you give us. You said he that finds a good wife finds a good thing. And so, Lord, we thank you for all those good things that you've given us, and especially our wives. And so, Lord, may we go out of here being a blessing and not a curse to our children. In Jesus' name, amen.